friends, and welcome to Love Hate Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Bowell. And I'm Alex Ruiz, and as ever, we are here to brighten your day, anger your soul, and tell you how to live your lives in that order. And Andy, I don't know why I paused weirdly during that intro, but you had something for our cold open here. Yeah, so just kind of a, a less sad conversation in a different way than than normal. You know, Alex, deaths, celebrity deaths tend to come in threes. That's a, a widely known phenomenon um, where just for whatever reason, it seems like, you know, three famous people all die within the few, uh, a few days of one another. And so, so I have a far... theory about that, but continue. Okay. Um, so far, we're, we're up to two. Two days ago. At time of recording. At time of recording. That's right. Um, at time of recording two days ago, Joey Jordison, the uh, drummer, one of the drummers of Slipknot, uh, passed away. And that was the kind of thing where I was like, oh, shit. OK, I better uh, I better text Alex and make sure he sees this. Hmm. And then no sooner had I sent that message than it also uh came out that Dusty Hill, bassist of ZZ Top and Beard Aficionado, uh, had also passed away. Hmm. So Who, funny enough, uh, was on an episode of King of the Hill. Oh, which well, there was you a go. previous episode topic. There's the connection. Can I can I be just absolutely dark with you for a moment? Do, do you think this is the uh purported curse that you seem to believe that we have? Oh no, because this is the I, I I did not know he was on King of the Hill, so <laughs> I'm not going to assign it to the curse. No, um, so I heard Dusty Hill had passed, and then as I was driving around, I saw on a billboard saying, coming to the Hard Rock Live, ZZ Top, November 9th. And I just thought, mm, not anymore. Not all of them. Ooh, yeah, I mean... But so, you know, depending on uh, what your personal tastes in rock and roll are, too maybe prolific is not the right word for either of them, but incredibly well-known and respected musicians, um, you know, unfortunately passing away one day after another. And two musicians noteworthy in their own noteworthy in their own spaces. Yeah. So I have a theory about this whole, like, celebrity deaths comes in threes thing. Mm -hmm. Namely that I don't think that they actually do. It's more that, okay, so for me, we, people die constantly. Famous people die constantly. Sure. And not all of them are going to end up in our Twitter bios. There are a lot of people out there who are big Dusty Hill fans who don't know who Joey Jordanson is. Yeah. Don't give a fuck about Slipknot. There are a lot of Slipknot fans who don't know anything about Dusty Hill, who don't care about ZZ Top. And I'm pretty sure those Twitter feeds, there is someone else more famous in that realm who is kind of who who has died these two people happen to fall not just Andy and yours in my purview but I think you and I are 
I think if you're sufficiently either mainstream or sufficiently varied, you will inevitably come across these ones that kind of just gravitate around the center enough. I feel like Slipknot was a big enough band for a while. I feel like ZZ Top is definitely a big enough band that these two celebrities are just kind of in our realm. Yeah. But somebody else, like a dozen other people who have some degree of fame, have also died. And it's just a matter of like, it's not that they die in threes. It's that however our consumption of news or media or any of this is curated, it looks that way. When does the clock restart? That's the other thing. Like, is it that they three people have to die within a week, a month, a year? Well, I know the famous one, and, and the one that kind of put the phenomenon in my head was Patrick Swayze, Michael Jackson, Farrah Fawcett, all dying within, like, 48 hours of each other. Hmm. So, yes, but also... I know I've talked about this on the show because I've talked about the 27 Club. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison all died within about a year of one another. And people link those together in their heads. This despite the fact that, like, that same year, like, I'm pretty sure Brian Jones passed away that same year. There's there's other famous people who died at that time. It's just where does your – where does it all align? Patrick Swayze, Farrah Fawcett, and Michael Jackson all dying <clears throat> so close. I, I do remember Farrah Fawcett, like, thinking about Farrah Fawcett and just being like, oh, damn, that death, like, no one's paying as much attention to that one because everyone's sitting here mourning Michael Jackson. Right. And as far as I'd ever heard, Farrah Fawcett was pretty cool. I mean, I wasn't a huge Charlie's Angels fan back in the day. I remembered her episode of Johnny Bravo, but <laughs> like I understood her in the zeitgeist and I, you know, I was sad to hear that she had passed, but it's interesting that that's where like the rule of threes seem to have started for you. Well, yeah. And I've come to really realize just, you know, everybody kind of learns about these things in, in, in different ways. And by these things, I mean like just people, experience cultural phenomena in different ways. Cause one thing I was thinking about talking about was like, just because of sort of how I interacted with music, Joey Jordison was probably the first like great giant kit drummer I ever became aware of because I hadn't discovered rush sitting on my dad's, <laughs> you know, tape shelf yet. And I wasn't listening to Avenged Sevenfold and, and hearing the Rev. Um, and, you know, I didn't even know Joey Jordison was his name um, until the other day. I'll be totally upfront about that. It was always like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. the drummer from Slipknot. And that's all you need to say yeah. because he wears the mask. There's there's like 19 members of Slipknot. The one that's really. not like, the clown. <laughs> the one that's not Corey Taylor. Like... Corey Taylor or the dude in the jumpsuit who bangs the trash can. Which is the clown. <laughs> is that the clown? I, I don't I'm even know. I'm pretty sure because I only remember that. I'm not, I'm not a huge Slipknot guy. My cousins all are. But like 
the my, my duality is one of my favorite songs simply because there is that bit of and you can hear it in the song where um he's just hitting the trash can and 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 or hitting a pipe or something and so you get the 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 hard guitar riff and you get the pounding drums and then you also very clearly just hear a doink <laughs> So I, I keened in on that because I thought it was fucking hilarious. Oh, uh, God. I mean... All that know, to say, I... um, you know, it's just funny sitting here being like, oh, shit. That's like, that's like the guy who, whether I really paid that much attention to him or not, like, opened my eyes to what drumming could be. So it's, you know, a shame that he he passed away, especially young. As, as best I can tell, there's nothing crazy you know the report is he passed away in his sleep but he was only 46 so yeah that that could be that could be a lot of things yeah yeah um hmm. it's sad it's you know i i don't think either of them are gonna be mourned for very long except by their dedicated fan bases yeah sure um i don't love zz top in fact, I've I've openly said I find ZZ Top um, terribly overrated, but I'm sad that Dusty Hill died. Like he was a cool dude. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I talked about bass guitar on this podcast before. I'm sad when like a famous bassist, especially a bassist who sang, you know, who who had a personality, passes away. Um, I'm a Slipknot defender. I'm not, like, I don't have all their albums. Uh, I think I'm a bigger Corey Taylor fan than I am Slipknot. Yeah, um, that's I think, fair. Yeah, because, you know, Corey Taylor's done some cool, interesting stuff just even on his own outside of Slipknot. But it's, it's sad. I, I, and, and, and I'm sad to have gotten that news. I think it's just that when I think of the rule of three, I, you know what it comes down to for me, Andy? What's that? Humans want patterns. Yeah. Human, like, we are pattern-seeking animals. And through our ever-constant search for patterns, we've come up with superstitions. We've come up with religions. We've come up with astrology. We've come up with, if I wear this jersey, my football team's gonna win we've come up with ghosts we've come we've come up with so many things just because we need to see patterns and sometimes i can't tell if i find that frustrating like when i'm in a grumpy mood or if i find that just like poetic and sweet when i'm in you know a nicer mood i really think it just depends like how much coffee i've had or what kind of day <laughs> i've had sure. um but you know at the end of the day we're pattern seeking and death sucks death is awful like generally speaking and i i think it's okay to feel sad about this i think it's you'd never heard of these folks that's fine um you know i don't think they passed the my parents test either of them uh emma um but i don't know dude maybe we're all just spinning in a giant meaningless orb through space and all that there really is to do is buy yourself a pair of cheap sunglasses. 
Well, that was his easy top reference. <laughs> there you go. You know, you're a bigger fan than I because I didn't catch it. On that oh, nihilistic God. note, um, you know, thank you for walking down the avenue of death with me, Alex. But let's get into uh, the episode proper. Thank you, dear listeners, um, for bearing with us through that douchebag buffer. Every episode, we we you know we start talking about whatever's on our mind, and I do think that you know talking about these two, it's not Jim Steinman level, but they were worthy of attention. Um, and sure. the other thing we do every episode is one of us talks about something we love, the other one then talks about something we hate, and we take your and the internet's relationship questions and give our perfectly unqualified advice. Yep, and Andy, this time you got the love. Yes, and speaking of being in a, a nihilistic hopeless place that's going to be kind of appropriate for what i'm talking about um last episode i not too vaguely alluded that i was absolutely obsessing over um my old warhammer figures and the hobby that i had had as a middle schooler and so i wanted to talk a little bit more about that and 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 my love today is is the topic of warhammer the game itself and when we talked, you mentioned you were like, oh, you were a Warhammer kid. I, I knew some Warhammer kids. And I was just wondering mm-hmm. if you could expound upon that at the top here. Sure. So um, I'll, I'll I'll just use first names. I don't think they listen to this. I don't think he listens to this podcast at all. I haven't talked to him in like well over um, a decade and some change. But uh, one of my oldest friends, like I knew this kid since elementary school um my friend john he got super him and my other friend ryan who was a more recent friend uh at the time in middle school they both got super into warhammer and i remember sitting on my like my middle school had an outdoor patio with like outdoor like picnic table type of deals and that's where i normally ate lunch because cafeterias suck. And I remember sitting out at the cafe, uh, at the cafeteria patio and them talking about Warhammer. And I remember they pulled out these little I don't know, they were maybe in my brain they were like an inch high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that's like my middle school my my like my middle school size thing is skewed i don't know if that's bigger or smaller than they actually are but i remember them being like an inch high and they were these little like i feel like one was like a troll another one was like a dwarf with a giant axe (laughs) um and they had these little figurines and they would talk about them and they'd be and the thing that struck me they talk about like what they were made of and how they had this like particular abilities in the game and how they would paint them like that was a thing was like painting them and the thing that stuck out in my head was them holding up these figurines and being like this one is $125 this one is $150 this one is like $75 i i don't even remember i just remember being like it's a like i could swallow that that little inch high statue. Why is it a hundred and fifty dollars, John and Ryan? What the fuck, you guys? <laughs> so, I love all that, and and you've kind of very helpfully set a perfect layman's uh, understanding of 
Warhammer the game and and talked about all the all the biggest main things. I will say if those uh, costs are accurate, your friends John and Ryan were absolutely getting uh, gypped, but not by that much. <laughs> so thank you so much for that answer. That really made me happy. Um, to get into the topic with the notes I prepared, uh, Warhammer is a tabletop game, and it's it's actually a couple of different tabletop games um, created in 1986 by British game company Games Workshop. Warhammer and its sci-fi counterpart, Warhammer 40K, are two tabletop miniature games, as I've said, that asks the players to buy, collect, build, paint and run units coming from all these different armies before actually getting into the part where you put them on a table and play them against one another in the battlefield. And really let's talk about the cost up front. Think of it as the most expensive possible version of Dungeons and Dragons, because that is what okay, it is. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh because D&D is like the other the other thing most like this where it's like, you know, you probably might buy some figures of like a minotaur or a dwarf with an axe or whatever and and maybe you paint them or maybe you just get like a little figure that's pre-made and done and whatever. But you know, you might buy some figures, you might buy a little castle diorama thing to really help set the scene. That's the starting point for Warhammer. And, you know, the key difference mm -hmm. is D&D is like, you know, maybe you've got, if you're going excessive, maybe you've got 20 models because you've got a bunch of different bad guys. 20 models is nothing in Warhammer. 20 models is like one unit in your army made out of eight different units. And each one came in a box that cost anywhere between 40, 60. If it was like some incredible shit, then yeah, $100 for the box. And it comes in, you know, it, it comes as a bunch of pieces of plastic or metal that you then have to sit there and glue together and paint and come up with a color scheme and like put in the work. This, this thing is as much a hobby as it is a game. So here's, okay. I have questions, Andy. Perfect. Um, let, let's start here. You say a box of figures. You use that term, a box of figures. Yep. Is that like one figure is in that box? It, so it, or is it like a box will have several? So both, depending on the box. Like to, to, to break it down just a little bit. So, you know, there are, there are two basic games. One of them's fantasy. One of them's science fiction. Within that, okay. each game has like between 15 and 20 different armies. And you sit there as a player, you decide, I'm going to collect that army. You know, you mentioned one of your friends had something that looked like a troll. 
I guarantee you it was actually an orc because the orcs are a faction in both versions of the game. Um, and okay. the uh, you said the other guy was holding a dwarf. The dwarves were a faction in Warhammer Fantasy. So you sit there and you go, I'm going to play orcs. I'm going to build an orc army. And whatever army you pick, some boxes, you'll have like 20, 25 figures in one box. They're all in different pieces. You've got to cut them off a little plastic tray and glue them together and all that crap. But, you know, it's 20 to 25 infantry units, basically. And then you might also turn around and have another box. And in that box is one unit, but it's the, the, the biggest, most giant orc. And he's riding around on a dragon or some shit, you know, it might be one unit, but it's a dwarf who has, I don't know, the dwarven equivalent of like this giant molten lava spewing bazooka thing and that'll cost you that you know those will be the expensive ones because those are your generals those are your heroes those are your fun characters those are your your bigger models typically but it's only one model and this hobby costs hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars really if you if you like get in the shit if if you have a lot of money to burn and this thing makes you happy um you, th this can be a very big cost sink. Not only do you buy the models, the armies, but, you know, say you want to have nice terrain. Say you want to have, like, a destroyed cityscape to set up on a table and then have your armies fight in. You have to buy all of that, all the pieces of that city. Um, each army has a rule book that is every couple of years getting updated and changed. And those rule books run you probably like 60 bucks a pop and they'll be good for three or four years, maybe. And then there's the actual rule book to the game, not just the rule book for your specific army, but the rule book for the game, which is massive. And also easily like, I think it was like 80 bucks back in 2000 when I was really paying attention to this. <laughs> so this is a game for rich people. This is a game for rich people. <laughs> can I, can I do something? Uh, this went through my mind. Can I just like alienate everybody and ruin everything with a perfect analogy? All right. Warhammer is the hockey of nerdy activities. Boom! If, if playing magic, if playing magic, the gathering is soccer in that just about anybody can pick it up and learn it. And like a, a couple packs of magic cards is maybe going to run you like 15 bucks and you can start a deck and you can start playing. Warhammer is hockey in that it is by far the biggest time commitment it's one of the hardest games to learn. It's complicated as all shit. Um, and it is something where you have to spend a lot of time and a lot of money pouring into this thing and is absolutely going to be more popular to more 
affluent, um, I dare say more predominantly white areas of the country and, and the globe. Jesus Christ, Andy. So that was for me because I, I don't know who else could possibly be sitting there uh, enjoying that analogy. But trust me when I say I, it's perfect. I mean, I was going to say, you say hockey. Like when I think, granted, I understand hockey requires certain equipment or terrain or or etc. I always like if I'm sitting here going like, what's a fucking rich people sport? I'm sitting here going golf, polo. Something else that's British? That's fair. I'm going to say golf is the equivalent of, uh, like, computer gaming, like playing StarCraft or something. Because you, that that one, you can pick up and go, or you can, like, dedicate your life to becoming the master of it. I mean, any sport, you can pick up your life and dedicate yourself to becoming the master of it. Hell, Andy, we're in the middle of the Olympics right now as of recording. That's fair. <laughs> and, ugh what they've done to these children please continue <laughs> so yes to 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 answer your question succinctly this is a heavy financial investment hottie this is a thing that you can pour a lot of money in if you're not careful which people who listened to the last episode will remember i made it really clear that i'm really like on a kick of this stuff and i'm also aware that i have no money for it so that's the only thing like keeping me from going over the edge so what is the appeal to it for you in particular sure the appeal so i'm going to tell you a story i do not remember how i learned about warhammer i had to have been somewhere between 11 and 13 and it absolutely involved my dad like bringing me along to the mall or something and finding the the game shop the 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 you know super nerdy hobby shop it might have also have served as a comic book shop i don't remember but there were multiple times like my my dad is a huge fucking nerd and this would be something where he would do and we would learn about Oh, this is a game called Magic. Oh, this is another game called Seventh Sea. It's Pirates. Oh, this is Warhammer. And my dad's like, oh, this looks cool as hell. Um, And deciding that, like, he wanted to do it. And me and my little brother being like, oh, this looks cool as hell. We would also like to do this, please, Father. The appeal... (laughs) Please, Papa. I would like the figurines. Please, Papa. I would like the $100 figurine. Um, yes, I'm, I'm very well in my privilege, but the appeal came out of making this thing because the, the end of the story is like, we all get into Warhammer. We all pick specific different armies that we want to do. And then probably between the three of us over the span of like five, six years, I guarantee you we only probably played like four games and I can tell you, I probably played three of them and two of them were against Mm -hmm. my brother. Mm -hmm. This was, this is a game. This, the the whole point of this is to go out and and pit your army against someone else and, and do battle and, and do the incredibly complicated. It it truly is like D and D times a hundred because each, 
figure has his own stats and can shoot a gun a certain way or can run farther than the other one. And it's all this shit and a lot of dice and a lot of measuring and all this. And that part always sort of seemed interesting, but it was never the appeal. The appeal to me was this is something that I can do and and hang out with my dad and my brother. But more than that, just I liked putting these models together and coming up with my own specific color scheme. I never wanted to do the one that was on the box. And this was this thing of like, I'm creating a thing and this is mine. And this helps me feel like individualized and special. And I'm going to make my, my uh, space socialist army. uh, I'm going to give them like a lime green color scheme and red highlights. And I don't care that it's Christmas colors. That's what looks cool to me. Space socialist. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how far down the rabbit hole we need to go, but I, in 40K, (laughs) in 40K, the army I like is called the Tau. And they are one of the only factions that are objectively not evil in some way. But also, like, they're basically a a sci-fi sub in for like Japanese socialists who run around with Gundams and, and robots and are happy to let other cultures become part of their culture, but also like are kind of xenophobic. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I collected them and I was like, you guys are going to be green. And then half, like two years later, I was like, actually you guys are going to be copper and blue and I'm going to repaint you all. And, and, and you know, that's a whole aspect. There, there are some people who get warm Warhammer, and they're like, do I really have to build these? And people are like, no, here are some pre-built ones. And then they're like, okay, but do I have to paint them? And people are like, no, pay me 20 bucks and I'll paint your army for you. And people go, okay, sweet. And then they get to the actual gameplay, which is the part that they like and enjoy the most. And then there are other people who are much more aligned with me and my dad and my brother where it's like, yeah, we could play the game, but I want to paint this thing really cool and like learn painting techniques and learn how to do an ink wash and, and learn what dry brushing is and, and put some highlights on my space tank. And doesn't my space tank look cool? And the people who really dedicate to this, like these things are friggin' works of art. They're some of the most beautiful looking miniatures you can find are, are, you know, stuff that people got creative and extended the base so that you can have a corpse of a different character or something. This shit looks really cool if you're into that sort of thing. And that so much is more the appeal to me is like, Oh, this is this really like essentially, you know, I said it was um, the most expensive version of D and D. I kind of turned it into the most expensive version of model airplanes. Okay. I know kids were into those too. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, I, I'm not going to say anything against like being a kid who collects stuff and wasn't super like into, you know, playing the games behind, like I had Pokemon cards and I, Tried to play the game a little bit, but it was a game. I, I said this um, previously with your 
um, card games topic. Like, I Pokemon trading card game was a game that was real hard to play and be any good at if you didn't have lots of cards and lots of good cards. I loved playing the Pokemon trading card game, like, Game Boy game. Because that one was like, you got good cards by being good at the game, you know? Yeah. Um, I, so I'm not going to lie. The class angle of this game um, messes with me a little. Sure. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm also not, I'm also going to say like, not to harsh mellow that you treated it like like that you took from it what joy you did out of just making the models there's something really dear about that you know like i i picture you as just like this tiny little child who has like the child equivalent of an old man hobby of building like model airships yeah it's very on brand for anyone who knows me (laughs) yeah no it's it's deeply precious, and I really kind of love that. Um, you know, I don't know if this is the kind of th- because of the how expensive it is. I I don't know if it's the kind of thing where I would be sit here and be like, oh yeah, no, like I actually I absolutely know I would not try this. Sure, but I don't mind that it exists. Um. I wish there was a cheap version. Didn't you say there was like an online version at one point? I feel like I remember you telling me about this. Well, yeah. So just like I I didn't even talk about it, but like Warhammer, the intellectual property has expanded into a a whole line of books and several different video games. And like you can you can just play Warhammer, the computer game. I know because that's what like. That was the the thing that made me relapse is I remembered this game and I was like, you know what? I want to play it. And then I did for like a week straight and was like, oh, fuck, I want all my models back. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that's why they have that game available. It, it might be, you know, it's, it, it helps people learn about the thing, especially if you don't, if you're not having a, a, a somebody else drag you into a, a nerdy hobby shop or something like that. And, you know, it sure. just, it kind of keeps the name in people's mouths and also becomes a different way that you can enjoy the product. You know, Games Workshop has been doing this since 1986. That's not nothing. That's nearly 40 years of uh, of growth and consistency for this thing that is a, a high buy-in product, um, you know. But but in in the decade where I wasn't really paying attention, I guess the uh, the fantasy version of the game didn't do, wasn't doing so well for sales. So they straight up like rebooted it and basically said, yeah, if you've got a dwarf army, you, you can't anymore. Here's this other different dwarf army. These are sky dwarves that ride around in little blimps and have guns. Uh, you can have them, but you're going to have to buy all this shit again. And people were like, ah, yeah, I guess I got to buy all this shit again. Cool, cool blimp dwarfs. <laughs> cool blimp dwarfs. See, that that does piss me off <laughs> and <laughs> ruins my trying to ruins my trying to not be shitty about your love topic which i never want to you know i never like to shit on your topics like i, I hate doing that no by all means but I'm, I'm just like 
I'm fine with your objective opinion. You know, I I don't recommend this for just anybody. I recommend this for incredibly nerdy people who are searching for a creative outlet and have some money to burn. You know, I think it's perfectly acceptable to do this if that's how you want to spend your money and as long as you derive joy from it. Yeah, you know what? That's fair. I... <sighs> I I can't deride that that aspect of it. That's so, fair. you know what? You know what? Yeah. If if you've got money to burn, if you have that kind of privilege, it's something you want to look into. Sure. Makes sense to me. I just I'm glad that it makes you happy. Please don't spend your rent on it. No. I'm doing a very good job and and my wife is making sure I do a very good job of not uh, not going beyond my means. And so far, my means have been going to my parents' house and getting the figures that were still there and being like, I'm going to do something with these. And now they're sitting on a box on my counter. But it makes me I happy. <laughs> I am so glad. That it makes you happy. Speaking of my happiness, do we want to lean into the hate? <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I know I sent you like a giant stack of notes, most of which are links to shit, which I'll, I'll put the links in the show notes for a whole bunch of articles I have to back me up. But Andy, are you ready for this? Yeah, let's get into it, man. All right. So, question for you, as I always like to start. Um, from the time that you were a small child, all the way into your current cooking for yourself and your partner adulthood, which I'm very proud of you for. Oh, I think. Um, Andy learned to cook in the pandemic, y'all. Um, how much attention did you ever pay to the nu nutritional profile of what you were eating? Yeah, so in terms and of... And spoiler alert, spoiler alert, my answer for me is almost none. Like, I, I'm not saying this from, like, a finger-pointy standpoint. Sure. I have not done any of that. But I want to ask that question of you. Yeah, and I mean, really, it's... You know, there came a time in, like, middle school, high school, where societal pressure made me care particularly about checking out the uh, nutritional index on the wall of, you know, McDonald's to really find okay. out what, what, what am I getting in my chicken nuggets and, and how can I make this the, the most healthy thing I can make it. And then I stopped cause I just stopped caring after a couple weeks. Um, and then, you know, this and, and long-term listeners will remember I did keto in college um, on and off for the last like year and a half of, of college. And so that was when, you know, in order to effectively do keto, I was paying very close attention to, you know, carbs and, uh, caloric intake and, and all of that. But mm -hmm. really those two instances are about it. Okay. I appreciate that. 
Um, so when you say you were paying attention to it, um, I assume you were monitoring, uh, since it's keto, your fats, your proteins, and your carbohydrates? Yes. Okay. Any attention to, like, vitamin intake, mineral intake, anything along those lines? Um, no, not really. Okay. You are right up there with me. And with most people in the world. And I want to be clear. That's the right attitude to have. I don't think that people should be obsessing over their nutritional profiles. I also think that there are a lot of people who, in the pursuit of not obsessing over their nutritional profiles, but thinking that they're doing something like to supplement themselves with a whole lot of bullshit mm. in pill form that I'm going to yell about for the next, yeah, 20, 30 minutes. Okay. All right. I, I can get uh, behind this. All right. So my topic here, uh, Andy, is, and, and I'm trying to decide if I want to sit, if I want this to be uh, about dietary supplements or the dietary supplement industry. So maybe by the end of the topic, I'll, I'll nail it down. But that's that's where I'm going. So strap in for this ride. I'm going to crib Wikipedia on this one for the sake of defining my terms. Okay. A dietary supplement, quote unquote, can be thought of. There's there's people who will put in de different definitions. This is my working definition. A manufactured product intended to supplement one's diet by taking a pill, capsule, tablet, powder, or liquid. A supplement can provide nutrients either extracted from food sources or that are synthetic in order to increase the quality of their consumption. So your most well-known types of supplements are your vitamins, your minerals, your proteins or amino acids, your fatty acids, um, your extracts, and your probiotics. There's some contention on the subject, but I personally would also include certain drugs like caffeine supplements, some diuretics, and a lot of weight loss products. So question for you right off the bat. Protein shakes, pre-workout, yep. whey powder. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. I count them. I absolutely count them. And straight up, my next point on here, in the interest of full disclosure... I personally, me, use a few kinds of supplements. I use whey protein four to five days a week, mostly in tandem with resistance training, and I occasionally take melatonin and magnesium supplements for sleep. I have an issue um, where uh, I get hypnic jerks sometimes. Uh, if you don't know, if y'all don't know what hypnic jerks are, it's where uh, as you are starting to fall asleep. Um, you can find yourself with a sensation like you're falling, mm -hmm. like physically falling to the ground, and it can jerk you awake. And this can be really problematic because, A, it messes with your quality of sleep. B, I sleep with my partner. And, you know, if I'm cuddling up on her, if I'm spooning her and I have a hypnic jerk, I have absolutely, like – dug my hand into her body or squeezed some part of her mm. and it's been really uncomfortable and woken her up. Sure. Um, I had a, I had a, I spoke with a nurse practitioner who recommended magnesium supplements um, and said like, Hey, um, 
don't take these every day because it sounds like you don't have this every day. Um, but you know, where needed, if you if you're worried about stuff, anxiety can be a huge thing. Make sure your sleep hygiene is on point. But she said, like, if these are happening, or you or they're gonna or you're worried about them happening, go ahead and just take a magnesium supplement, and that's it. Just take them as needed. So those are supplements that I take now. I used to take multivitamins and vitamin C supplements on the daily once upon a time. Okay. And I have close people in my life who, with and without doctor supervision, take or have taken everything ranging from multis to f- multis fish oil, vitamin D to biotin and iron and antioxidants to creatine and branch chain amino acids and all the way to fucking hydroxycut. Which counts as a weight loss supplement. It's a thing to drop all your water weight. It's terrible for you, but it is a supplement. So, so you that I, is sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. So you know, I keened in on the emphasis you put of sometimes with and sometimes without a doctor's uh, recommendation. Yes, and I just I guess I kind of keen on that because I'm sitting here being like, yeah, I guess I wouldn't really think about going to a doctor before taking a multivitamin or like. Mm-hmm. If some if somebody just randomly told me, oh hey, iron is really good for you, I'd be like, oh, okay, fuck it, I guess I'll take some iron. Sure. And and the second I examine that, that thought, I can see how it could be a bad thing. And again, that just puts you in line with the average person. Mm-hmm. Like we are we are groomed from very early on in our education and our societal conditioning to go, oh yeah, vitamins, you know, there's there's vitamins in those healthy foods you're eating. So if you take like some pills with some vitamins in it, it's good for you. And I want to be clear, um, and I'll reiterate this at the end, I'll probably reiterate this multiple times. Um, I'm not trying to go against your doctor's advice. Mm. If you've got a doctor who tells you, hey, you're iron deficient and should take supplements daily. Fucking follow your doctor's advice, please, for the love of God. I'm not saying anything against that. I'm more arguing against this idea of kind of thoughtlessly swallowing handfuls of pills because you think you should. Sure. Um. So, yeah, if you are, if you are deficient, like... The reasons to take something are if you are deficient in something or if you have circumstance – and I'll, I'll talk about at the end, like, the circumstances where you might, without a doctor's supervision, um, immediate supervision or recommendation, take a supplement. I'll talk about that a little bit at the end. The point is there are cases where it's appropriate. It's just that, by and large, most people are not taking them under those – circumstances to if you are a relatively healthy adult in the u.s and i say in the u.s because nutritional deficiencies in the u.s unless you are very very poor um are decently non-existent like food insecurity is a thing and nutritional deficiencies come with food insecurity but the solution to that is not supplementation it's fucking food so I, I, I want to emphasize that point. Sure. Talking about why I fucking hate supplements. The science is hit or miss at best. 
Um, first off, there have been no conclusive studies that they've done much of anything to support health. And in some cases, they've absolutely been linked to other issues. I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Um, 16 to 20% of all herbal and dietary supplements currently on the market in the U.S. have been linked to at least some occasions of liver damage in those who take them with the recommended dosage. Workout supplements, stuff that you listed at the beginning of this, Andy, um, I'm talking specifically about things like um, pre-workouts, um, certain stacks, um, testosterone supplements. Those have been frequently linked to both liver and nervous system damage. And this was a fun one. I didn't know about this one until I was researching this. A 2007 National Cancer Institute review found a correlation between multivitamin usage in adult men and prostate cancer. You're twice as likely to get prostate cancer as a man if you daily take a multivitamin. You know, cancer's the one I was waiting for, and still, oof. Right? You don't expect that. You think multivitamin. Like, I, I, dude, I've read workout books that will devote a chapter to something like nutrition and supplementation. And all of them usually say roughly the same thing. They say, like, after your workout, have a protein shake. Make sure that you um, eat enough calories to supplant whatever you're doing. If you're trying to not gain too much weight, make sure that you're eating more on your workout days, not as much on your non-workout days. And almost all of them say, take a multivitamin. Mm -hmm. Just buy a multivitamin. Doesn't really matter which one. They'll all do the right job. They all say this. Multiple books that I've read, textbooks that I trust otherwise, will say this. But you're twice as likely to get prostate cancer as a man if you take a multivitamin every day. Mm. <laughs> it, is it worth it? <laughs> like, just I'll eat more salad, you know? Um well, eat more salad and just like I'm you you kind of touched on it, but really medical proper medical advice is not something that you can just make a blanket statement on a group of people and it will have the same effectiveness for everyone because we are all built different and have different, you know, things going on in our bodies. And I just think about that every once in a while about how like, you can't just, you can't just tell everybody to take a multivitamin for this exact reason. You want another reason why you can't just tell people that? <laughs> Go ahead. Thanks for the segue. Um, so I don't know how much you know about dietary supplement regulation, Andy. But they're an absolute joke um, in the U.S. Sure. I was about to say regulation in this economy. Well, here's the deal. So uh, we're all familiar with the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Um, before a prescription drug, before a drug hits the market, it has to pass certain safety regulations with the FDA. Now, um, I have a separate rant about how the actual safety protocols for the FDA to get a drug passed are a fucking joke, uh, but at least they are something. There is a regulatory body that does a bad job, but it exists. With most supplements, 
the FDA has no jurisdiction. They can only require that the supplement be removed after a multi-month-long, very litigious process has gone through, which shows that ingestion of that supplement, as recommended, causes active harm. It is very specific what has to happen for a supplement to be removed from the market. And there's no regulation to put it in the market in the first place. Yeah, that doesn't sound right, that you've got to do the trial study to prove it's harmful and not the other way around. Yeah, and we've all, all of us have seen that aisle in the grocery store. It's usually by, it's usually like halfway between the adult diapers and the like hair care products. That just aisle that's all your vitamins and minerals, all the various supplements. You walk down that and you'd like to think that it is at least as regulated as the food that's a few aisles over as your eggs and your milk and your your sausage and your sausage. But it's not like it's it's super, super not. On top of that, the labeling is often really inaccurate or outright lying. And discovering that usually requires either a whistleblower from the places that originated it, or someone with a lab actually analyzing it. Um, <sighs> and I'll, I'll, I'll link to all this stuff, but like one example that I found, Sugar Bear Hair is a popular hair supplement. Um, Kim Kardashian um, has touted it in Instagram, probably in a paid advertisement. Sure. You know, yeah. get that money. All good. It was tested as having 70% more biotin and 26% less vitamin E than indicated on the label. Now, if you're taking a little too much biotin and a little less vitamin E for your hair health supplements, it's prob- it's not going to kill you. I'm not going to pretend it does. But I'm pretty sure the only reason this got tested was because it got the extra additional attention from being touted by celebrities. That same attention isn't necessarily being paid to the random-ass generics that are out there. And this actually had the stuff that it was advertising. Companies like Walmart and Walgreens have both been cited for selling stuff like ginseng pills and ginkgo biloba that were just powdered rice, garlic, radish, and wheat in pill form. I'm trying to remember the exact details, but like the most egregious example I can think of this is Alex Jones selling a supplement of some kind. And I want to say it was like supposed to supposed to promote bone growth or something. And they figured out that it was really just like watered down lead in a pill form. Center for Environmental Health tested and found the InfoWars Caveman Paleo Formula has twice the limit of lead allowed under California law. I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at at the end of the day, in a lot of these cases, you're... A company might not even know what they're they're buying. Like, I I really don't think Walgreens is sitting here going... Because that Walgreens and Walmart thing... There's a New York Times article I'll link to in the show notes that did this. But essentially, those were generics. Those were like your great value brand at Walmart. They don't give a shit. They're not testing this stuff themselves. They're going to a third-party company 
and going, yeah, um, we need this much of this thing and this much of this thing and this much of this thing, and the bottle should say great value on it. Yeah. And that place, knowing that it is not going to be – because, again, you most of the time need a fucking lab to actually analyze this shit. And if they're only on a contract, maybe a year-to-year contract, you make a lot more money basically putting powdered rice and garlic in a pill and saying it's ginseng and rolling the dice that you'll get away with it than actually sourcing, isolating, and putting into pill form real fucking ginseng which is a very complicated and expensive process. And Walmart doesn't care because at the end of the day, this is, what, item 957 on their ledger? Yeah. It's a whole lot of people who aren't incentivized to really give a fuck. As always, and on brand for us, thank you for pulling the Scooby-Doo mask off of um, dietary supplement you know bullshit and and we realize that good old capitalism is the groundskeeper jenkins behind it (laughs) speaking of capitalism andy would you like to know how much money the dietary supplement industry makes per year oh i really wouldn't but tell me (laughs) oh it's 36 billion dollars fuck me (laughs) it's a whole lot of warhammer figures that's all i'll say I mean, listen, you can you can buy like six jets for the American military with that. Like truthfully, it's a 36 billion dollar per year industry and has incredibly deep lobbying arms. Mm. What's more, if I'm sure there are some of you listening here who have um read articles touting the usefulness of these very maybe even citing scientific studies about the usefulness of these various supplements for the general population and i'm gonna tell you right now that it's estimated that more than half of all studies on supplements are funded by the companies that manufactured them and that is so fucked yeah. why would you want anyone that else? is li- that is purchased science the biggest issue honestly Um, I think, in my opinion, is that that industry, with its $36 billion a year, with its purchased science, with its skirted regulations and complete lack of oversight, has managed to normalize itself in a really sinister way. Doctors in the 19th and 20th centuries who were working on the precursors to a lot of these supplements today... They imagined that they could help nutritional deficiencies and combat the issues associated with food scarcity. These were people who were thinking things like, if I can isolate the part of citrus that 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 it that matters that that, that really helps people, yeah. I will prevent scurvy. I can I, I can make it so that men at sea won't get scurvy. If I can find the things that are causing these children to die at young ages, I can prevent infant and toddler mortality and maybe make a buck on it. I don't know. But 
the point is they they weren't they weren't imagining this as is sure there were snake oil salesmen but the idea was not that like the the scientists at the forefront of this were not thinking i will sell snake oil they were thinking this might be a way to address the worst ills of our times they wanted to make the star trek future andy the star trek future that you love so much yeah yeah, that Star Trek future where medicine is socialized to the point of just like, oh, you need a lung? Here, let's grow one for you. Sure. I, I remember watching the fucking Jetsons and like them having meal pills. Yeah, sure. And that was like the 60s thought of what the future could be, you know? But it's it's snake oil. For every useful supplement, there are 20 that are either useless or unnecessary or harmful. Those vitamin C and multi-supplements that I used to take back in the day, most of what was in them were pissed out in my urine. Which, by the way, the vitamins that you piss out because you're overloading your body with it, those are poisoning fish populations because you're flushing it down into sewer systems. Just a little added bonus. Mm. There's only so much of a lot of materials that the body can even absorb at one time. And here's the thing. That is true even of things like my protein supplements. You know, I largely ingest a protein shake immediately after a workout. And I know for a fact, with the amounts that I take, I am trying to maximize out my body's absorbable amount of protein. And there's only so much it can take at one time. A good chunk, because I am over-supplementing, is just going to pass through me unused. I'm just shitting it out, Andy. Iron supplements, they work. They actually, like, iron supplements are one of the few very, very useful supplements. You got to make sure you're actually taking iron supplements. You should, you know, research whatever particular pills you're buying. Make sure they're good quality. Don't just go on the website for the company. Go to a watchdog group and look up your pills. But they're only useful if you're iron deficient. Even then, even if you're iron deficient and taking them, there are certain parameters under which you should take them. You should be taking your iron supplements on an empty or mostly empty stomach. If you don't do that... You are just shitting them out. Hmm. The same goes for the iron that's in your multivitamins. People aren't thinking about how they're, they're not educated about how their bodies actually interact with these substances. They just think vitamin take good for me. And I don't like to be hopeless, Andy, but I don't know how to counteract that. I really don't. Yeah, I, I gotta say, you pulling out some 1984 double speak—that uh, was chilling because it hit, <laughs> because it hit so effectively. Like I, I guarantee you, there's there's tons of people who, you know, just in the moment, the split second thought process, it boils down to that kind of decision, and. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to solve misinformation and and corporate greed in that way but no but i mean talking the, about it's good 
Yeah. The one piece of advice, and this is advice I will give, completely unsolicited to all of you. My one ray of hope. Take a supplement only if A, your doctor prescribes it to you, your doctor tells you, hey, I ran some tests, you should take this. Or B, and this is the one time I think it's okay to do it without like your doctor suggesting it, you tried it out and you notice a positive effect. Again, my melatonin and my magnesium, I take those as needed and they the melatonin helps me fall asleep when I need to fall asleep. Honestly, like it's just, it hits my system more easily than fucking Benadryl and NyQuil, which I've had. I've had issues with one of those in the past. Sure. Um, and the magnesium helps my hypnic jerks. And, and I have just noticed that. I started taking it when I had hypnic jerks. Um, I traveled a couple times and I got the hypnic jerks because I and I didn't have magnesium with me and I had to suffer through it. And I took it again and I was like, okay, I've, I've run the experiments on myself. This helps when I have hypnic jerks. Even then... If you are taking them and you've noticed these positive effects, you've tried it and you seem to have examined a change and then you took it away and the issue came back, like, you should be letting your doctor know if you don't notice any differences. You should be letting your doctor know if you don't notice any differences based on the supplements that they have prescribed to you because me- because that same supplement industry has wormed its way into medical practices as well. And there are a lot of doctors who are trained that certain supplements are good. So you should be letting your doctor know, hey, um, you prescribed me X thing to help Y. And I've tried it and Y hasn't gotten any better. Do you have any other ideas? Because... Your doctor should be aware of what you're putting into your body. That should you should have a relationship with your doctor where they where you can tell them that. Um, and then if if you're trying something out and it's not something your doctor has suggested, you should still let them know you're taking it so that they can monitor that shit. And you know, again, maybe play with it a little bit. Make sure it's not just a placebo dosage. Sure. Mind your doses. Mind how much you're taking. Make sure you research the brands and the products more than just on the internet and more than just on their actual websites. And for the love of God, more than anything, and and I know I'm being I might be being the preachy vegetarian here. Eat with even a modicum of attention to your nutrition. Like have a veggie or a piece of fruit with every meal, and you will get most of the way that you need to handle all of the shit that like that will get you more than 80% of the way of what you think your multivitamin is going to do for you if you just eat a veggie or a piece of fruit with every meal it's doesn't need to be more complicated but we've made it complicated and then we've let a really terrible industry sell us on the simplification of it and if there's one thing I hate, it's like that lazy simplification of life. So that's my rant. I'm going to put a ton of links in the show notes. <laughs> I've made so much work for myself, Andy. I'm really mad at myself, actually. You're doing your I pride myself. Duty. 
I pr- <laughs> duty. I pride myself on how lazy I get to be with this podcast. Cause like when you're in Stephanie's podcast, y'all have to do work. Y'all have to like research movies and watch them and think about shit. And here I actually like looked stuff up, and now I gotta link it all. But <sighs> you know what? I do feel a little bit better having gotten all of that off of my chest. I'm Any glad. final thoughts before we move on? No, dear boy. I don't think I could wrap a bow on that any uh, any better than you did. I'm I'm good to move forward. Cool. Um, so you picked out our question this time and I'm going to read it. And listeners, normally I read our questions ahead of time, but I was a (laughs) handful this time and Andy sent it late and I did not read it, even though he sent it to me with enough time for me to read it. So I'm going to be as surprised as all of you. You know, part of me was kind of hopeful because I really want your off the cuff advice on this one. This is a great question. All right, I'm here for it. So, reading this, uh, we have a 23-year-old female um, writing in, My boyfriend, 27-year-old male's dad, sends him nude pictures of women he's dating, like, all the time. This upsets me, and I don't know what to do. His dad is really sleazy and has said some funny things when it comes to women. I was looking for pictures of us on his phone and basically saw a bunch of pictures of random chicks, both nude and not nude, linked through messages in her in his pictures. Well, I got curious and opened a few, and basically his dad just sends him a bunch of nudes of girls he's having sex with. I mentioned it to my boyfriend and told him it annoyed me, and we never really moved forward with that conversation. Recently, I asked him if his dad was still sending him a bunch of nudes. He said no. I asked to see if he was being honest and comes to find out he's deleted the entire conversation between him and his dad. So I'm feeling a bit of trust issues now, and I definitely don't like his dad anymore. Not just because he's been a complete creep, but because of some of the things I've seen him saying too. Just gross. I didn't blow up at my boyfriend at all, just said that's really not cool and how am I supposed to trust you on things now? Every morning when we wake up, he checks his phone with his back turned to me, or just generally where I can't see anything he's looking at. His dad stays up all night and texts him four to five times a night. Sometimes when I ask about it, he becomes defensive and gets mad at me. How do we move forward now? I'm upset because I don't think it's all right or appropriate. I get it's his dad, but I don't know. I'm not okay with it. And now that I saw my boyfriend was lying to me about it, I'm even more upset, and now there's a trust gap. I asked how he'd feel if I had someone sending me other people's dick pics all the time, and he said he wouldn't care. But I feel like that's easy for him to say because all my conversations with other people are totally PG. I just think it's weird and gross, the frequency his dad is sending him nudes, and I wish he'd stop, but now I feel like my boyfriend is just going to keep it a secret and delete everything so I'd never know anyway. Is it appropriate for me to ask my boyfriend to ask his dad to stop? Holy shit, Andy. Yeah, right? All right. Um, How do we do this name situation? So we got to reverse engineer a a sleazy dad from media into a situation that would it would apply for a a significant other. Uh, I've Mm. got one. It's it's another show that I know you haven't seen. What's up? Um, So I can't 
think about a sleazy dad in media without thinking of Frank Gallagher from the show Shameless. He is uh, the, the character William H. Macy plays. and is We just... have done a Shameless one. Have we? I know that. Yes, we did Rip Gallagher. We did. We did do Lip. That's right. It would be appropriate in this context to use Lip's girlfriend. <laughs> hmm. What is... Mm. So what are our names we're dealing with? Mandy. The boyfriend would be Lip. Different Lip than the last time we talked about Lip on this show. And the dad is, of course, Frank. Okay. Um, What's Mandy's last name? Milkovich. Oh, you're going to make me look this shit up, aren't you? (laughs) Shameless. Sorry, I just need this for the spelling. Mandy Milkovich? Milkovich. Milkovich. You're just lucky that I love William H. Macy. William H. Macy is a goddamn national treasure, and Shameless probably went on two or three seasons longer than it needed to, but is a very good show. I'll take it. Straight up. Okay, so Mandy, Mandy... Milkovich. Why is Mandy Milkovich crying? I'll see you, Tony. Who did what to Mandy Milkovich? <sighs> I read, do you want to uh, give the initial impression, or do you want me to go ahead and do so since you wanted mine off the cuff? I don't mind. Oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, because I really, I'm, I'm intrigued at what your immediate reaction to this is. Whew. Okay. I think, okay, whenever I get questions like these, my thought is to always go straight down to the question that they are actually asking. The question that Mandy is actually asking is, is it appropriate for me to ask my boyfriend to ask his dad to stop? The simple answer there, Mandy is yes. It is perfectly okay for you to sit here and be like, yo, with us in a relationship, a committed relationship, I am not comfortable with the fact that anyone, especially your dad, regularly is sending you nude photographs. And what's more, I'm not comfortable with the fact that you're hiding it from me. Now, this would result in a really awkward situation with Lip. It absolutely would, because that means that he will have to go to his probably pretty fucking toxic dad and go, hey dad, I need you to stop sending me nudes. And he may or may not say, I need you to stop sending me nudes because my girlfriend is uncomfortable about that. Right. And his dad may be a piece of shit about that. You're 23 and 27. There's a certain point where we all need to understand that our parents by and large, are probably doing their best. 
and a lot of our parents fucking suck and are bad at being people. And so Frank probably sucks. Frank's probably going to make Lip feel like shit over this. I think Lip probably knows that. I think you probably know that. And you kind of have to be like, hey, if we're going to be dating, if we're going to be partners, I need my comfort and my security and my sense of honesty with you to matter more than your dad having this weird aspect of y'all's relationship where he sends you fucking nudes based on what you've written of lip um it doesn't sound it, it either sounds like he is immature because he hid the thing from you or it sounds like he is he has the kind of dynamic with his dad where he is struggling to make that step in the commitment. Um, I absolutely don't think you should be going through his phone. I think that's you you that's a control issue, not a trust issue. Um, you cannot trust something or someone that you control. I say this to every single one of you listening. You cannot trust something that you control. It is impossible. If you think that you trust your partner, but you control them, you don't trust them. You're controlling them. So you need to, you, Mandy, need to let go of this thing where you have to monitor Lip. If you're going to be in a relationship with him, you have to trust him. If you can't trust him, you shouldn't be in a relationship with him. And that's okay. But you need to set your boundaries. You need to communicate them. You need to let Lip make a decision whether or not your boundaries are more important than his weird, fuck-off, strange-ass relationship with his toxic dad. And then you need to trust him to follow through on that. He may not live up to that, but if he chooses not to live up to that, it has to be because he chose not to and he will face consequences for that, not because you monitored and controlled the situation. Does that all sound fair, Andy? It does. Absolutely. And and kind of, you know, a few things I want to expound upon on that. You, know, you mentioned there comes a time where we need to realize our parents are, by and large, trying their best and doing a horrible job. There also yep. needs to come a time when you realize your parents don't need to be your best friends or your friends at all. Mm. And it sounds to me like lip in this scenario um, hasn't accepted that. And I would, I would say personally, you know, 27 is probably well beyond that point. There's nothing wrong with having a good close relationship with your family. There's nothing wrong with being tight knit, but this is a bit too tight knit. Um, you know, never mind the fact that, you know, presumably Lip's dad knows about Mandy and just doesn't seem to care. You know, I think there's there's 
you know, in, in the spirit of what you were talking about answering the direct question, yes, it is appropriate to ask your boyfriend to ask his dad to stop. And that's going to be a litmus test, not only on Frank in this scenario, but also on Lip. You know, not to get too personal for a second, but like there was a point where my dad openly just said, like, I was his best friend and we would watch Star Trek and Babylon 5 and Battlestar Galactica and we would go to the hobby shop in the mall and buy a shit ton of Warhammer figures. And then he would Facebook stock girls that I knew and talk about how like, oh, She's so, she's so hot. She'd make a great girlfriend. You should get on that. And I knew that was fucking creepy and overstepping instantly. And I would argue what, um, Frank's doing here is just as creepy and overstepping, if not worse. So yes, Mandy, it is, it is appropriate to ask your boyfriend to stop if that causes strife between you and your boyfriend you know i don't think they mention how long they've been together but that's a very telling sign that like you don't need somebody who is that dependent on their parental relationship that it's going to cause drama and pain and disrespect and lack of trust in your own life. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he does do the the thing the best way he could and, and stands up to his dad in this way and sets a boundary. And maybe his dad is really awful and shitty about it and, and it causes pain in its own way, but then you can be there for lip and you guys can start to repair your relationship in that way or best case scenario is you apply a boundary and your, your boyfriend applies a boundary that is perfectly reasonable to have. And you know, Frank acquiesces and I don't know, finds a drinking buddy to randomly send photos of naked women to. So one can really only hope. One can really only hope. I I kind of sit here and wonder what, what's going on with Frank that he needs to have this pseudo-voyeur component of, hey, look at these tits I'm looking at. Hey, look at this. Hey, look look at look at her. You know, it's it's not even specified. I, I kind of insinuated that these are like photos that the dad is taking. It 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 could just be random porn. The more I think about it, the more I really kind of sit here and go, why, why is your dad sending you porn? Well, it's the the question says that it's apparently people his dad is claiming to be having sex with. Right. Which says to me, like, the dad is either, like, very active on Tinder and, like, must really be active in getting like people to send him nudes or yeah maybe it's like maybe these aren't people he's having sex with maybe they're just people he's finding online and taking their photos or i don't know he's got a bunch of only fan subscriptions yeah, who the fuck knows maybe they're people that he's saying he's having sex with which is a whole different therapy session frank needs to have 
Yeah, that's the thing we haven't talked about here. Therapy. Therapy is great. <laughs> Everyone should go to therapy. Everyone in this question should go to therapy. Everyone listening here should go to therapy. Everyone not listening should go to therapy. Therapy's great, y'all. I think by and large, every every question we ever do could end with, and by the way, you should consider going to therapy. It's going to do wonders. Get some qualified advice for once. Ugh. I just <laughs> well, thank you for giving me your reactions off the cuff. You know, this one came off relationship TXT and, and we like to go through that and, and find these honestly eyebrow raising scenarios. Um, but you know, we also like to take your uh, own personal relationship questions, dear listener, dear internet friend, you know, and they can be about a, a, fam- a familial relationship. They can be about a, a relationship with your significant other or your partner. It can be a relationship with your dog. It's been a minute since we've had a pet question. Um, Indeed. You know, we, we welcome all questions and we love to give our perfectly unqualified advice. And you can send those questions into love, hate relationship podcast at gmail.com or send them to us, DM us on Twitter. You know, we, either way, we promise we'll read them. Absolutely. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hey, Mom. Um, you know what? You're 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 a pretty good parent. Uh, like up front, you 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 did a good job. Like I came out okay. Um, <laughs> you can also uh, rate or review us on all of those platforms or any of those platforms, whichever ones you use. And, uh, yeah, it helps people find the show. It's apparently a thing that, like, actually helps, and we never emphasize it. Enough. Yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you do. Oh, God. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, at LHRPod. That's L-H-R-P-O-D. Uh, check us out we sometimes tweet funny things or sad thoughts about dead celebrities um as well as you know post our episodes and you can follow us there for all updates yeah we try to be a good follow you know you can also find me andy boel on twitter at jovocop2113 or you can find my other podcast you know alex mentioned it, it usually involves a lot more research uh, and that's because it is a cult movie podcast called Cult Fiction, where myself and the incomparable Stephanie Johnson watch cult movies, research them, come up with, you know, a, a critical analysis, but also try to keep it fun, especially if it's a really bad movie. Um, there's there's one Willem H. Macy movie that we're trying to get to that has like a four on IMDb. I'm very excited. Um, and once again, that is cult fiction, and you can find it everywhere Alex said you can find love-hate relationship. That's right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and technically TikTok, but also, oh, oh, um, also on LiChess, L-I-C-H-E-S-S, which is the open source Alex, uh, chess are you platform. on multiple goddamn chess apps? <laughs> My handle is A underscore X underscore R-U-I-Z on all four of those. Uh, I am also on chess.com as A-X-R-U-I-Z-089. I got bothered by the fact that I didn't have a chess account with my usual handle. I don't want to start a new chess.com account because I do have a bunch of lessons there. So I'm actively on both. But like, if you want, use LiChess. LiChess is open source. So like, you don't have to pay anything ever. They don't give you any ads. 
It's a super great software platform. And yes, Andy, I absolutely have multiple chess accounts. Never stop being um, uh, You love me. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. As ever, please tell your enemies. Please.